Nuketown Radioactive number 89 for Monday, September 4th, 2017. On this episode of Nuketown Radioactive, I revisit the button-smashing happiness of Diablo 3, soak in the nostalgia of Sonic Mania, catch listeners up on a few of my Dungeons & Dragons campaigns. After that, I delve into a topic I never thought I would talk about, how I became a runner, and the zombies that helped me do it. Radioactive. I am your host, Ken Newquist, and with this episode of Radioactive, we're officially back. That's right. I promised myself in episode number 87 that I would only release new podcasts if I'd actually managed to complete three new episodes. That started in March. I had a long lag as I uh, had to work on the Nukedown redesign over the summer, got back to it in August, and now here in September, another episode. So, True to my word, I'm releasing all three, and I'm hoping that the podcast will be able to come out at a fairly regular schedule now. Ideally, it would be great if it came out twice a month. I will be happy if I can do one once a month. The key thing, I think, is with many things, and we'll be talking about this more later, it's keep moving. You just have to, to keep moving and maintain at least a minimal amount of momentum. Because otherwise, you have what happened before, which is the podcast just falls off as a priority, and the next thing you know, five years have gone by, which is crazy, because five years is a long time. <laughs> Speaking of the redesign and kind of getting back up to speed, I've been doing a lot of writing on Nuketown over the course of the last two months, trying to get myself ready to actually blog on a regular basis, which isn't something I've probably really done in a year or two. To that end, I decided to start participating in the RPG Blog Carnival again. This is something I've written for on and off over the last couple of years, but with the redesign, I wanted to make a concerted effort to do something every month. So the idea here is that each month you have a blog that has a particular topic, such as occult mysteries, mega dungeons, things in the dark, and you are encouraged to write on that topic. There aren't a lot of specifics on this. They give you some prompts. They give you some ideas about what you might want to write about. But basically, it's up to each blogger to come up with how they want to tie into the overarching theme. So I started in February. I've written one for every month up through, I think, August. I haven't quite done the September one yet, but I'm looking forward to it. It's been a good way to kind of knock the old cobwebs down and, and really start thinking about writing and gaming again. The other thing I did that helped in that regard was the RPG A Day 2017, uh, I don't know what we call this, post-fest, I guess. It was uh, hosted by RPG Brigade, and the idea is, is that every day you write a response about some aspect of role-playing game. So, for example, on day one, they asked what published RPG. So, for example, on day one, they asked, what published role-playing game do you wish you were playing right now? On day two, they asked, what RPG do you wish you could see published? Day eight, they asked, what is an RPG to play for sessions of two hours or less, so forth and so on. It was cool. I mean, again, the idea here is the same as the carnival, which was to get me thinking, get me writing, and even if it wasn't perfect, to at least get the ideas down on digital paper and push them out to the website. And to that end, it worked out 
brilliantly. I like to fancy myself a gamer dad, even though I actually don't get to play that many games anymore. Well, at least I don't get to play that many compared to what I used to do. I mean, back in the day, before kids, and even right after kids when they were little and it was still easy to get online and play games, I had a guild, I'd go on and play Halo 2 for hours, I was reviewing games for sci-fi every week. It was great. It was busy. I was playing a ton of different kinds of games, and these days... I do not get nearly as many opportunities to go out and play video games, mostly because I have so many of those real-world responsibilities to talk about. And I guess that's one of the recurring themes of these last couple of episodes, is figuring out how to balance those real-world responsibilities with the stuff that I really enjoyed when I was in my 20s and 30s. So, speaking of things that I really enjoyed in my 20s and 30s, I got Diablo 3. Now, I guess I've actually had Diablo 3 for a long time. I played it on my Mac, I played it on my PS3, but then sadly my PS3 died. And when I got the PS4, I'm like, oh, do I do I go and get it again? Or do I just let that chapter of my life close? Well, I got it again. Because here's the thing. Diablo 3 is just a fantastic button-mashing game. I mean, it's the sort of thing that you can just sit down after a long day at work play a half an hour Diablo and just vent all of your frustrations into this game by wiping out thousands of demons and undead and monstrous horrors and what have you, you know, make a few steps towards saving the world, that sort of thing. And it's just a great source of stress relief for me. I'm not someone who plays competitively. I'm not the sort of person who spends a lot of time online with my friends playing it, although back in the day I did. Nowadays, it's really much more a question of sitting down, unhooking the brain for a little while, and just enjoying some good old-fashioned Diablo. Now, the nice thing about playing Diablo 3 on the PS4, which is the new platform that I got it for, is that it's continued to be supported by Blizzard. So, unfortunately, my Diablo 3 for the PS3 they weren't releasing new season content, but with the modern version, they are doing that, and they're up to like season 11, I guess. It continues to get ever more ridiculous and overpowered, and the bonuses and the cool weaponry I have are just fantastically over the top. But that's okay, because honestly, that is the point of Diablo 3. A recent impulse buy for me was Sonic Mania, which is... um. Actually, it's a little bit hard to describe, I guess, because it's not quite a remake. It's not quite a remastering. It's not quite a redesign. It is a re-implementation, I suppose we could call it, of Sonic the Hedgehog 1, 2, and 3 from the old Sega Genesis days, a game I truly loved and played the heck out of as a kid, and I guess maybe as a high schooler. I, I Gosh, I don't even remember exactly when those came out. They're such fuzzy, pleasant memories. But in any case, what this game does is it takes those levels that we know and love, and then reimagines them a bit, adds in some additional content, fixes some content issues in terms of how you flowed through the level, updates the whole thing so that it plays well on a PS4 or an Xbox One. It has a multiplayer mode, it has some new game modes I haven't had a chance to play with yet, but I can assure you that this is basically pure Sonic. I mean, this is the pure distilled Sonic that I think many of us knew and love. And it was fantastic, awesome, I don't know, I, I'm running out of uh, descriptors for it, 
Um, but it was really great to just sit down and play this game again for the first time in, I don't know, 15 years. And I got to say, I'm not good at it. <laughs> I don't know that I was ever the world's most spectacular Sonic player. I have not improved with age. My reflexes are not quite there. But, you know, again, I haven't played it in a really long time. So I'm looking forward to just kind of sitting on the old beanbag chair and firing up Sonic and blowing through some levels and just kind of getting my Sonic reflexes back. Now, the last thing I wanted to talk about from a gaming perspective for a little bit was uh, my Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition lunchtime game. I've been doing this for quite a few years at this point, and the mix has changed over time. We played Savage Worlds, we played Dragon Age, and most recently we've been playing Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. Because for the last two years, I've been running a campaign called Broken Land, which involved the heroes tracking down shattered remains of a crystal skull of Neral, who's the god of death for Greyhawk. And it's almost at its climactic conclusion. I think we have maybe one or two sessions left and the game is going to end, which is really cool and a little unnerving just because I don't know if unnerving is the right word, but um, actually intimidating is probably the right word. I haven't really ended that many role-playing game campaigns. I've had stories that have reached kind of a logical conclusion and then those characters kind of went on hiatus for a while, but Campaigns that truly ended, that reached a point where we said, okay, we're done here. We're never coming back again. That's not a thing that I actually have a tremendous amount of experience with as a DM. So it's been a challenge to sit down and think through what this final encounter is going to be like and where we're going to leave these characters. Now, there's nothing stopping us from coming back. It's not an end of the world sort of thing. But I think as a gaming group, we've decided we're good. It's time to move on. As far as what we're moving on to, it's going to be Princess of the Apocalypse. This is the Adventure Path released by Wizards of the Coast for 5th edition. And the primary reason for doing this is that I need something that is easier to run. As I continually, <laughs> repeatedly, have complained about in the podcast or just mentioned in the podcast, I don't have a lot of time. And I already have several D&D campaigns that I play in and I run one for my kids. So... Having one more over lunchtime is nice because I know that once a week for one hour we can get together and sling some dice, but I don't have the time to put together the actual adventure. So that's why I've decided to go with the adventure path. I like this one because it's more modular. It's basically a rehash of the Temple of Elemental Evil. You have four different temples that you're going up against. There's an overarching story, but it's easy enough to break it up into chunks. It's set in the Forgotten Realms, which is ridiculously overwhelmingly detailed, but in this case that helps me because if people have a question, I can just go and look it up on uh, you know, one of the source books that I have or online or what have you. So that helps. The detail helps. If they go off the rails and I need to figure out, oh my gosh, what is this region? Well, every blade of grass in the Forgotten Realms has been detailed, so I can just go and look it up. That said, my lunchtime crew is also, I think, more inclined to stay with a story-based campaign. We'll see how this goes. I'm not sure. The last time I ran a story game, it was uh, Second Darkness by Paizo, or I should say not a story game, but a but an adventure path game. And we just had a tendency to go off the rails. I think that's the nature of the Black Razor Guild, my, my regular Sunday gaming group. We are not ones to shy away from chaos or from just going off and exploring whatever the heck we want to. And that doesn't always play well with an adventure path that assumes that you're going towards a destination and that you're going to, you know, basically play along with the story. Lunchtime, I think going into this, we all realize that it is an adventure path. 
that we are trying to go towards this larger story, but at the same time, Temple of Elemental Evil is open-ended enough that you have the wiggle room, or at least the illusion of wiggle room, that you can engage the story, then maybe take a little break and go off and engage a different part of the story. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it, and I'm definitely curious as to how well this is going to work with a different gaming group. <laughs> I'm a runner. I never thought I'd say that, but it's true. I'm actually a runner. I started running regularly in February 2015, mostly because I needed a form of exercise that wasn't dependent on the gym. When I started, I couldn't run a third of a mile without getting winded, and now I can run three miles pretty regularly. I can even run four miles. I've gone as far as five miles. I might be able to go even farther than that, but I don't think I'm quite ready for it. So how did I get started on this? Well, actually, I had a couple of false starts. At first, I just decided to get up and run. I grabbed my old sneakers. I went outside. I went for a run. I had the theme music from Halo 2 blaring in my ears, rock anthem for saving the world, and I promptly made it a couple of blocks and probably maybe a third of a mile if I'm lucky. And then I tried it again, and I tried it again, and then I, I just wasn't improving. And my back would hurt, my legs would hurt, and, and I quickly came to the conclusion I'm doing this wrong. So I took a step back, I did some research, and I figured out what I was doing wrong. For one, I had really old sneakers that really weren't meant for running, so I went out and I bought some new sneakers. I also started reading about how you actually train to become a runner. Not the world's fastest runner, but someone who runs. And I came across the phenomenon of the couch to 5K, which the idea behind this is that you go from just sitting on your couch to being able to run a 5K race. Now, earlier when I had been flirting with running, I'd come across an app called Zombies Run. And the idea behind the app is that there are a series of missions in which you are runner five. You are one of the survivors of the zombie apocalypse. And since there isn't a lot of gasoline, not a lot of resources, people run to get from place to place. And of course, you need to outrun zombies because they're zombies and that's what you do. So Zombies Run has a couple of these missions. They have multiple seasons and it's pretty cool, but I was not ready for this. I quickly became a parent after trying a couple of the missions. However, since I came across this 5k thing, I realized, wow, I wonder what apps are out there that could help me with doing the training going from couch to 5k. And it turns out that Zombies Run had one. It had Zombies Run 5k training and it was more of the same. They had a couple of missions, and actually several missions stretched out over a couple of weeks that took you from basically being a person who does not run and who, again, just sits on their couch to someone who actually is a full-on runner. Maybe not the world's fastest runner, but a consistent runner. And the nice thing about it is they pace it out very well. So, you know, in your early runs, they'll give you walk for a mile and then you run and then you do a couple of shorter intervals where you'll walk for five minutes and then run for five minutes. And then they'll have a free run at the end where you'll run for eight minutes straight. And that was really cool because, A, I needed the intervals. I needed to be able to have those little successes to build up to the big success of actually being able to run five kilometers. And it was also motivational in the terms of having this mission. Now, I'm not saying it's the world's greatest zombie story, but it was fun. And, you know, it's... When you're running, especially when you're starting out, you need a little something to get you going. And Zombies Run really helped me with that. It helped me in two ways because, A, it managed my playlist. So I set up my running playlist and I had my music going while I was running. And then you just have these little snippets of story that would show up that says, hey, we're teaching you how to run. And, oh, hey, why don't we test out this new theory we have about how to get zombies agitated and see if you can outrun it, <laughs> which is, it's fun. I mean, admittedly, I'm running around on an inside track 
you have to use your kind of mind's eye to be able to visualize this zombie apocalypse. But it turned out to be the little thing that turned into the big thing that actually got me running. So that'll about do it for this edition of Newtown Radioactive. Audio and text comments are always welcome. You can send them to me at newtown at gmail.com. You can also follow us on social media. On Twitter, that's twitter.com slash newtownsf. And on Facebook, that's facebook.com slash newtownsf. Both links are in the show notes. I'll freely admit, for years leading up to when I became a runner, my philosophy was, I don't have to outrun the dragon, I just have to outrun the halfling. And honestly, most of the running that I did was virtual while playing video games or Dungeons and Dragons. But it turns out that I really enjoy it. It's an opportunity to relax, kind of not have to think about all of the stuff that I have going on with work and family. And it's just some me time. And for me, it's been a real stress reliever, but it was hard to do. And I think the hardest thing was not actually the running. You would think that actually getting to the gym and doing the running is the hard part, but it's, it's making the time that was truly the hard part. In order to do this regularly, and this is where having a training regime actually helped, I had to block out times on my calendar, and I had to defend those times. I had blocks you know, over lunch for, say, an hour and a half, and I'd come in a little bit earlier or leave a little bit later if I had to. But I blocked out that time and I didn't let meetings get scheduled into that time. That was my time for running. And that's what it took to actually have it happen. The same thing's going to happen. You know, I know everyone can't actually run over lunch or run in the middle of the day. But I think the same thing holds if you're running in the morning or you're running after work. You have to make the time and then you have to defend the time as best as you can. Now, I know that running isn't for everyone. It certainly wasn't for me until it turned out that it was. But I think it's worth trying out. Now, if it doesn't work out, hey, you know, that's fine. At least you tried. And the thing is, is, is that if that doesn't work out, we'll try something else. Maybe you'll like rowing. Maybe you'll like swimming or the elliptical or cycling or whatever. I think the key thing for me ultimately ended up being this. Keep moving. Find something you like. Do it. Don't give up. Don't let other things get in your way. Because it's important. I think it's important to be fit. I think it's important to be active. And I think that all of those things bleed over into your regular life. So my advice is give it a try. You may even like it. So that all about do it for this edition of Nuketown Radioactive. I know these last three shows haven't been particularly polished. And I think I have some issues with audio levels I'm going to need to work through. But, you know, the thing for me was to actually get the shows out. To get them recorded, do some light editing and actually publish them to the website. And with this episode, I will have actually accomplished that. I'm always looking for feedback on the show, particularly these last three shows. You can send it to me at nuketown at gmail.com. You can also send me messages on social media. On Twitter, it's twitter.com slash nuketownsf. And on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash nuketownsf. You can find links to all three of these things in the show notes. <laughs>